Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the In Their Twenties podcast, hosted by Michael Holmes and Landon Campbell. We interview the most influential people from various industries and ask them what they were doing while in their 20s. If there's someone you think we should interview, make sure to visit our YouTube channel and website to let us know who you would like to hear from. Make sure you're hitting that follow button on Spotify to be notified when we release a new episode. Today we interviewed Scott Kucherek, the CEO of Ocho Candy out of Oakland, California. Ocho Candy specializes in making the most delicious line of organic candy bars. And if you'd like to check them out after the podcast, visit them at ochocandy.com. Now on to Scott to see what advice he has for students and professionals in their 20s. Well, Scott, the first question I have for you is what were you doing in your 20s and what did you gain from those experiences? Great. Well, in my 20s, I was doing something a lot of people don't do. I left, I finished my time as a bioengineer at UC Berkeley. And then instead of going to medical school or going to graduate school, I ended up joining the Navy. I became a naval aviator, even though I'd never actually been on a plane until the Navy sent me to boot camp in Pensacola, Florida. It's just something I felt I always wanted to do. And so that started when I was 22, I guess. And it essentially took up the rest of my 20s, heading out getting training, um, learning how to fly, and then doing my missions over the next seven, eight years. So how did you then transition uh, you know, from the Navy to more of you know, a business background? Well, essentially, when I was in the Navy, I felt those really valuable skills I was learning there about managing people, about working in teams, accomplishing things together as a unit, but I also realized I didn't want to do it for the rest of my life. I was fortunate enough to have some mentors in the Navy, people who were a few years ahead of me, and they recognized right away my desire to do something different. A few of them actually went on to business school, went to Stanford Business School, and they kind of nudged me along and said, you really should go to business school. Um, You're the right type of personality. You're always looking to do new things. And so with their encouragement, I applied to business school uh, near the end of my time in the Navy, essentially to the Berkeley Business School, I'm blue and gold through and through, and uh, was hoping for the best. Uh, the first year I applied, I didn't get rejected, but I didn't get accepted. I was on the wait list, the notorious wait list. And so the wait list came and went, and then I didn't get picked up. The following year, I had to make a decision. Uh, in the Navy, when you're an officer, you maintain that status. Um, unless you resign or you don't promote up. And so I had served the time I needed to serve. And so it was up to my discretion to stay or go. And you have to give notice about a year in advance that you're going to leave. And so I did that. And I said, well, I'll apply again. And hopefully I will get in (laughs) um, this time since I was on the wait list. Fortunately, um, this is where sometimes you need some luck in life. And I think that's very important to people recognize it and not always think everything is done because their own self-determination. one of my early roommates that I met while in flight training in Pensacola, he was in the Marine Corps and he flew Cobras and we stayed good friends. His dad, his father-in-law turned out was a very big supporter at the hospital school of business. And when his father-in-law found out that I hadn't gotten in behind the scenes, he did some digging around and realized that the hospital school of business was only letting in anywhere from like one to three military people in that class of 240 each year while Stanford was letting in 10 to 12. And he just felt that that was a grave mistake by the high school business because he understood the different 
leadership perspective military people would bring to a class of business people and one or two people wasn't satisfactory enough. And so later once I got accepted and I joined, you know, I went into the business school, I went to thank uh, this person and, and I said, how can I return the favor? And he said, it's no problem. I didn't specifically point you out. I, you brought to my attention something I felt was very wrong, especially since my son-in-law is in the military going to business school too. And I just made them understand the importance of reevaluating their mission criteria. And uh, we did have quite a few people from the military that year and all those people made an impact. And he just said, I just want you to continue to give to the hot school business every year, which I have done since then. How would you say that this, the skills that you acquired in the military, how did those carry through to business school and what you're doing now? I think the thing that people haven't been in the military don't realize is the great opportunity you have for response, responsibility and leadership. You, you immediately are thrust and put in a position where you're over anywhere from 10, 20, 30, 40 people and it grows quickly from there. And so you quickly learn how to deal with people. And the other thing you learn is there's the hierarchy and then there's the cultural hierarchy and then there's kind of the getting things done hierarchy. So in the military you have officers and enlisted and technically the lowest ranked officer is superior in rank to the highest ranked enlisted petty officer or chief petty officer. But if you treated chief petty officers that way, you were certain never to get anything accomplished in your career because they really were the ones who'd been in the military 20, 25 years and knew how to get things done. You know, you really, really need to pay attention to how you work with people because you need every person on your team to feel valued and that they're contributing to what you're trying, the objective. Otherwise, you can end up having these kind of hijinks go on in, you know, in different ways. <laughs> so um, when I checked into the squadron and I immediately found my chiefs and said, what do I need to do? Help me be successful. What do you need from me? So that par partnership helped me a lot. Um, and the other thing I learned is one thing that's very important to understand is money isn't the only driving force in, in motivating people. It's very important you need money to pay the bills and people, some people are super money motivated. But what I found in the military was everyone knew what everyone else's pay was because it was just on a chart. And so, uh, but you would see when you're out on a ship on deployment, there'd be times when people would work 20 hours, 21 hours a day for weeks on end because they felt it was so important to get what they needed to get done to achieve the objective. And they believed in the leadership and the other people amongst them. Um, and, and these are people who were making below minimum wage, essentially. When I got into the business world, I felt like I had a good base of understanding that it wasn't necessarily compensation only that could get people rallied around an idea. And I think it's super valuable in startups because essentially you have to find people who are willing to work on a vision uh, and not necessarily get compensated what they could elsewhere. I love how you mentioned value. We're in the sense of people always can bring value to a company, but value is a two-way street because they want that same value delivered back to them, especially in a startup. Since you have firsthand experience running a startup and working within startups, what is your advice for students and young professionals in their 20s, maybe interested in becoming a part of a startup or even starting their own startup? Well, I think that's a question people ponder a lot. And I think if you're already pondering it, it's worth exploring because there's something inside you that is questioning it. And unfortunately, a lot of times society or your family or expectations see sees danger there. Oh, startup, wait a second. Now it's a lot different today, depending on where you live. Um, you know, in the New York, Chicago, Denver, Boulder area, Silicon Valley, Los Angeles, there's always people, you know, eager to do startups. 
But I still think there's a large pocket of society in America thinking, I didn't send you to college to go work for 15 bucks an hour. You know, I didn't pay $200,000 for a private university so you could do marketing at some application startup that I don't even really comprehend. Your parents might be saying, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? So, and also there's fear of like, well, wait, what if this doesn't work out? What's going on? So those are normal questions to have. I think if you don't have those, then that's also dangerous because you're not really grasping the, the consequences factor of decisions like this. But my feeling is that if you're thinking about it, you should really dig into looking to do it. And there's a couple of reasons I say that. One is when you're in your early 20s, you probably have not built an entire life yet, meaning you don't have a home with a mortgage. You don't have a spouse and some children. Um, so those become real obligations where then it can't be about you as much. You have to make trade-offs to support the partnership or the family you need to build. But if you're just rolling out of college, maybe you've been working for a couple of years and, and you've got a nice apartment, but you don't really have any overhead besides maybe a car payment, then you really should, if you're passionate about what's going on, get in, take that opportunity to start something or become a member of a very early founding team because the amount of diversity of experiences you're going to gain, decision-making, problem-solving, resource constraints, um, and the impact you'll have. You will make a difference. There's only five people or three people or four people doing something, whether that's taking out the garbage or developing a very incredible presentation or a new application that makes a difference. You will know you did that work. And even if you spend two years and you make one third the salary you could have and the company goes bankrupt or maybe you put money into it and you lost it, all that money, what you will have is the knowledge. People will pay $60,000, for graduate school all day, a year. They do it. Um, but then they seem reticent to put $150,000 into a one or two year startup for themselves. It doesn't make sense to me because it's a different type of education. And that education does not carry a stigma, stigma with it when you're going to look for the jobs. Because the experiences you're going to have when you show up to an interview later are the experiences most employers are looking for. Because bigger companies or medium-sized companies are always looking for people who can be in small groups, work in teams, be flexible, handle challenges, work on less resources, and get things solved. So my feeling is that if you really want to do something like that, you should really figure out reasons why. There's always a reason not to do it. You should figure out the reasons why and go and do it because you don't want to get to your 50s or 60s and think, wow, I never really did something like that. Why not? Right. And especially if you had an idea and then some other group of people around your time took it and became successful. Um, of course, you will dismiss all the ideas you thought about that never went anywhere. But you know what I'm saying? So I always tell people, give yourself the opportunity. People take your sabbaticals, people go back to school. This is a similar thing. It's investing in yourself. And in today's changing world, you're not going to really do the same job forever. That's almost impossible, I think. Um, and there's probably jobs that will be created in 10 years that we didn't know existed now. So you have to get in this continuous learning environment, this ability to take chances, take risks, and bet on yourself. I love that you mentioned also about risk-taking, because I feel like a lot of young people in their 20s, they follow a certain structure that so-and-so said they should follow. I need to do this because another person said this is the way to do it. 
But when it comes to gaining that extra knowledge, I also agree that you know, developing a startup or starting with something even as small as you know, having an idea and seeing how much you can build from that, that's true knowledge that you really can't get from you know, common education. I have daughters who are 19 and 24, and I see the challenges they have, this idea that, I mean, it's, it's scary when you're 20, 21, 22, and you see people finishing their college degree, and then they're getting their master's, and then they get that job at the law firm or the accounting firm. You know, they're on a little track to make partner or whatever they're doing, thinking, or they wanted to go to medical school, like my oldest daughter is at medical school. Think, oh, well, what if I, what if I don't take the right classes while I'm in college, and then I won't be able to ever go to medical school? And it's just not like that. At UCSF, we've been lucky to meet many of my daughter's classmates. And one guy was a professional BMX rider for nine years. <laughs> then he decided to go to medical school. So he had to go back and take classes, right? So he had to go back to school. And he's, you know, he's his late 20s, early 30s. But he's in there. And most of the people are not 23, 24, like my daughter. Many of them have done very diverse things. And they're not all biology majors or MCB majors or genetics majors. They come from a wide diversity but then they discovered something that they're doing that brought them back to their passion of going to medical school. And then they went and did it. Even my own example, bioengineering degree, naval aviator, tech and real estate startup, then candy. I mean, you can keep evolving with each group of years as long as it's something that's helping you grow. And so when you're young, you can take those chances because there's always chance to do it go back and do something later. You have a lot of time left. It doesn't seem like it, I get it. The pressure's on and you think, oh, I don't wanna end up 30 living in my parents' you know, house when it's not COVID-19. And so, so but it won't, it won't work out like that usually. It doesn't, you'll find your way. If there is someone who doesn't necessarily know what they wanna do yet, do you have any advice for that type of student? Yeah, so I, that's kind of where my, youngest daughter is you know she's about to turn 20 and be a junior at UCLA and I think it's so common I mean how the heck can you know yourself at 20 you know if you compare yourself as a 20 year old to 21 compared to how you're at 16 just think about the difference there and when you're at 16 you thought oh you knew everything you know about yourself so I think the thing that I find is if you're in the college environment still then we just I recommend taking all sorts of different classes within reason, because I always say college is a place you find out things you don't want to do. <laughs> you know, you go sit in a class and you talk to people doing that and you say, wow, that just isn't me. I, I can't see myself doing that. That's how I discovered I didn't want to be a doctor or research person because I met people doing that. I was thinking, I don't, I don't want to do that. So if you're still in college or you're new, newly out of college and you went to college, use your alumni network or while you're there just to Talk to people 10, 15 minutes. Most people will give you from your same university or college 10 or 15 minutes to talk about themselves. People love talking about themselves. And from that, you can learn. If you're not in college, then I'd say it's just an opportunity to try different jobs as long as you can find them in fields you think are interesting. Thinking about law, try to find a paralegal situation. You want to go into finance, okay, find some accounting clerk job where you're just processing checks. Yeah, maybe it won't be glamorous in the beginning, but remember, you're not there to make money. You can take risks, look at things not as like, oh, I'm stuck here. Look at it as like, I'm not really certain what I want to do, so I'm going to do research on it, just like anything. You know, people will spend hours upon hours researching a watch or shoes 
on the internet, like meticulously, right? Oh my God, can I get a better price than this? Wait, is this the size I really want? I don't know if I want this. Just use that same kind of shopping mentality to look at yourself and say, hey, what, what do I really want to do? Um, and then also know you may get into something for a bit. And as you mature as an adult, learn different things. It's okay if you get two or three or four years in and you say, you know what? This isn't really working for me. I'm going to go do something else. Sometimes people get afraid that they have to stay in that course. Even my youngest daughter was thinking, well, what if I get through medical school and then right near the end, I think, oh, I don't want to do it. I said, then you leave. People do that all the time, but it's all that money. So you still gain knowledge. You still learn stuff. But the most important thing is you learn that you didn't want to be a doctor. And so it was better than being a doctor for two years and being a bad doctor because you didn't want to be a doctor. So there's always time, especially in your 20s. It doesn't seem like it, but there will be many opportunities to pivot, adjust. You may have to do some work. You may have to pay, take a pay cut. You may have to change the size of your apartment or where you're living. But the ultimate goal is to discover who you are, discover what your soul wants to do, I guess. Um, and once you do that, when you find it, like my wife always knew she wanted to be a psychologist, so she's totally in harmony with what she's doing. But that's the vast minority of people. Um, so you are going to have to just keep going on this journey. But that's what life is about. And I don't want to get too boogly-boogly for people, but realistically, you will go on this journey to find what your calling is. And it's okay if you go down the wrong pathways a few times because you're still living your life and you're still learning. We appreciate you speaking with us today and providing such great insight for young professionals who aren't looking to go you know, to college right after they graduate high school. And you said something that really stood out to me. It's that in your 20s, that's the time you need to discover. You know, your 20s are about discovery. And within discovery, you can actually find out who you are, your true interests, and what you want to do. And, you know, if you aren't able to find something that you want to do for the rest of your life, it's okay to pivot and try new things. That's how magical your 20s are. And I believe our listeners are really going to find this information um, inspirational and valuable. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me here. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the In Their 20s podcast. For a full video version, please visit our YouTube channel. And for more information about Scott Kucherek, please visit our website at inthere20s.com.